say, don't be afraid to let someone take over. To compete as a business owner, delegate and spend wisely. Sometimes it's hard to delegate, but when it comes to marketing, really just finding an agency that you trust and don't be afraid to spend money. According to a recent survey, only 19% of managing partners in U.S. law firms are female. We would like to see that change. Hello, and welcome to LawHer, the show where we celebrate the trailblazing attorneys and entrepreneurs who are changing the game for women in the legal field. Be inspired by their stories, learn from their mistakes, and look forward to the future they're helping build for the next generation of women in law. I am Sonia Palmer, your host and VP of Operations at Rankings, the SEO agency of choice for personal injury lawyers. This is LawHer. A woman's experience in the legal field is different from that of their male colleagues. This translates to the way female-led and owned firms are marketed as well. Maria Monroy, president of the legal marketing firm LawRank, shares with us how women striking out on their own should think about marketing their new venture. We also dig into mindset, time management, the power of delegation, and letting go of guilt. Maria is president at LawRank, which means that she handles all client-facing operations, speaks at conferences, sales, manages employees, and tackles operations. Maria shares the story of how her and her husband and CEO, Mariano Rodriguez, started LawRank. Let's dive in. So he was in law school at the time, and his brother, who was a lawyer, left the DA's office and started his own law firm and asked my husband, hey, you're pretty techie. Can you figure out how to get a website up and running? And he became fascinated by this idea of how does Google determine what lawyer shows up? So we're in New York City on vacation. So summer, so he doesn't have law school at the time. So I'm super excited. We're there with my our nine-month-old at the time. Wow. And he wouldn't leave the apartment because he wanted to get him to the first page. And then all of a sudden, he gets a case, his brother. And starts getting more and more cases and other firms are calling us, asking my husband to do this for them. And then we just had a moment where we were like, wait a minute, like we need to start an agency. Like, you know, his brother started paying him and the rest is history. It's addicting, isn't it? Like when you get somebody to rank like first and second on Google. I mean, there are times where I'm just like, hey, it's 11 p.m. on Sunday. (laughs) Like you need to stop. (laughs) Like, Like I can't. What do you like best about working with lawyers? It's funny because lawyers have such a reputation, right? And when I first started really being involved at LawRank, I was so like hesitant and kind of like, I didn't know what to expect. And I love working with lawyers. And I don't know if it's just like our clients are the best. Arno jokes that I pick them. He's like, yeah, because you're picking them. (laughs) I'm like, no, I, I don't know if it's just like an energy thing and we're, I'm attracting a certain type of client, but I love working with lawyers. I really do. And I I love helping them grow, right? And watching that evolution. I'm getting X amount of leads. And now we're at this many leads and the excitement. And let's open another office. And a lot of our clients have become really good friends of mine, which is something that was like so unexpected for me. I feel the same way. I'm like, our clients are great. But I do like how competitive and like you said, growth-minded attorneys tend to be. PI attorneys are, they're so business-minded and I love that because from owner to owner, you can talk shop. Yeah. Small business owners, B2B, stuff like that. There's a lot in common when you're trying to run an agency and run a business. So what's it like working with your husband? (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, it's great. I mean, we're very lucky because I feel like we've created a lot together. So from we have three kids, then we have law rank. And overall, it's amazing. And we very much stay in our lanes. Of course, sometimes it's hard to draw that line of like, hey, I like I said, 11 p.m. on a Sunday, I don't want to talk about this right now, right? Like, I, I just want to watch Stranger Things and like, please leave me alone. So I would say that's the biggest thing about working together is like, we're always working. And it's not ideal when you have kids and they're kind of bored and we're talking, you know, at work. But overall, I love it. And we're very, very lucky and grateful. Do you have like a list of things that you guys typically own or is it like co-ownership on everything? We don't even work together during (laughs) the day. So we're like completely separate. We do very different things. Like, again, I'm the one talking to potential clients. I'm the one managing our VP of business development. I'm the one that's involved in some of the like vision that goes behind like web design, conferences, strategic partnerships, all of that is more, I do that. And he's doing more of like managing the SEO team or the paid team or the development team. There is some overlap when it comes to project managing. So when a client has a question and it gets escalated, Sometimes I can answer it. Sometimes his team has to answer it. Sometimes he has to answer it. So it depends. But for the most part, we are doing very different things day to day. Like front of house and then back of house. Yeah. People joke like, oh, you're the face of the company, but he's really like the brains, right? So I almost feel like it's unfair, but he doesn't want to be that. So it, it works out. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it works really well for you guys. So I'd like to refocus on your position as a leader. I imagine there are a lot of parallels to being a firm owner and president of an agency. How do you do time management? You have three kids, you're running an agency, you travel a lot. What's your approach to time management? So first of all, I go to the gym. Like Mm -hmm. that's like the very first thing that I do. I drop kids off at school. I have breakfast. And then my very first 90 minutes, that's me working without interruptions. So that means I'm not on any calls, internal or external, and I'm working primarily on processes. And those first 90 minutes, and I don't know if you've ever listened to Huberman, his mm-hmm. podcast, there are studies behind this, how like the first 90 minutes, like you're so much more productive. So I've started implementing that and even implementing it with some of our team members. It's like, let's not talk for the first 90 minutes and just get all those big tasks out of the way. Then I always ask myself, you know, what's going to make the biggest impact? And then you should take a break. And he says at best, you could get another 90 minute period of like hyper-focused, like kind of like Adderall Mm -hmm. type of, not that I've ever taken Adderall, but Mm -hmm. I want to, uh, type of (laughs) time. And I have found that it works amazing. I mean, that and Saturdays are, that's another day that I'm just like admin type of task. Do you? Yes. I love my Saturdays or my everything I didn't get to do during the week that is like more about law rank versus about like client management or dealing with like a an employee or a client because there's always something I could be doing I mean I could work 24 hours a day I have so many ideas so many things I want to do but I always ask myself what's going to make the biggest impact what it assuming that there's nothing pressing right like obviously if I'm at a conference that's time sensitive right And then I scheduled things on my calendar. So I will literally schedule, you know, working on this process or working on this training or whatever it is that I'm working on. I'm going to schedule it and block it off, turn off notifications 
I removed iMessage from my computer a while ago to avoid distractions. Somehow it's back on. <laughs> like the past two weeks, Marino did something and it's back on and I need to figure out how to remove it again because it is very distracting. Maria emphasizes the power of friendship and people to bounce ideas off of as a business owner. And I have so many friends in the legal space. I mean, you're one of them. Chris Dreyer mm. is another. I have people that I call constantly with, hey, can I run this by you? Like, or I'm struggling with this. What do you suggest? I do run a lot by Mariano. I mean, we talk a lot, even things that don't, like he's not in charge of. I'm like, hey, what should I do here or there? And that's the benefit, I think, to having a business partner because I can, and especially being married to him, I mean, I can bounce <laughs> an idea off of him at any time, which he claims is unfair because I'm the one that's more like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. But then when I need something, it's like, answer now, 7am. <laughs> and they're like, I, I want to talk about this. But that's something else that's been really surprising to me about the legal space. I never thought that I would make friends in the legal space. Not that I thought I wouldn't, I just never thought about it. To me, it was just like, this is our business. This is my job. And I've made such great friends. I love that about us. And I feel that's true of our clients too. Just kind of creating a community, even when it's competition, they all are very um, willing to help each other out. So I, I like that. You said mindset coach. What's the difference between a mindset coach, business coach? What's kind of the value there? So ours does both mindset and business coaching, um, which is why we went with him versus someone else, just because he does do both of those things. Mindset is just really tied into like limiting beliefs. Why are you struggling with something? It can go as far as like childhood issues, trauma, that sort of thing. But just like, and I, I mean, I've been reading self-help books my whole adult life when it wasn't even like cool or, <laughs> yeah, you know, or it was acceptable. Trendy, yes. and you're like, yeah, when you're like embarrassed <laughs> at Barnes because you're like in the self-help yes. section. But I've always been so drawn to that. And, you know, it, it's everything from like, very tied to manifestation, mm -hmm. which I don't believe manifestation is like what the secret taught, which is like, oh, think positive and, you know, things will show up. I mean, there has to be intent. You have to make a decision. You have to change like your beliefs. And if you make a decision, you have to kind of almost like back it up. If you don't really believe it, you have to say, okay, well, this person did this, or there's a time that I did this and this happened. So kind of like, prove to yourself that this can be done, that sort of thing. But, and then a business coach is more, and he does this as well, but coaching on the business, right? Like anything from culture to training, to marketing, to really anything. Yeah. I, what I like about my coach right now, it's that it's sort of willing to adapt to whatever I'm currently sort of dealing with. So I love that. And I love manifestation. I feel like athletes use manifestation all the time and visualization. So uh, what are some of your favorite self-help, self-development books? Okay. My favorite, favorite, like nothing can beat this is thinking we're rich. <laughs> that is like by far, I, I read it later in my life. And so a few years ago, and when I read it, I literally felt like every other book spun from that. And I felt almost betrayed. Like this should have been my starting point. Like how am I barely reading this book? That's one of my favorite uh, conversations with God. And there are three of those, but it's really not a religious book. And it kind of, I grew up Catholic. So it kind of changed my belief systems about religion and just really resonated with me 
what else? There's so many. Power of Now. Power of Now is, is great. great. What's interesting is, so our mindset coach, I think he does a really good job at like taking these theories and actually telling you how to implement them. And I think that's what's missing sometimes from these books. It's like, okay, you read it, but are you going to take action? And like, how do you actually implement these things, right? Yes, I completely agree with you. I think they neglect action. Um, How do you just absorb this information and apply it and then actually like take a step forward? So you do conferences, networking, how do you build a community? I talk to my like friends in the legal space more than I talk to like my best friends. And I just go to conferences that I just, I mean, I'm pretty outgoing and yeah. I just talk to people. And I mean, a lot of the same people go to the same conferences. So that part makes it really easy. A lot of our clients go and obviously if I've already had multiple conversations, I love socializing. According to a recent survey by the American Bar Association, 82% of women have been mistaken for a lower level employee. Not one male respondent said the same. I wanted to hear Maria's take on how a marketing strategy can establish authority and credibility for women in the legal field. I think it's tough, but I think that being a female, there is such an upside because the empathy that we have is, in my opinion, very powerful. I also feel like a lot of people feel more comfortable with a female and they provide a a level of safety. You know, I mean, most of us are first association of something safe as our mother, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's just using that to our advantage. And I think that women are going to attract the right type of clients. I'm all about energy. And I think if you are ranking well and you're a female, you're going to do amazing. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, this huge downside. I think the upside that exists is going to balance out any downside. It's also somewhat unique because most lawyers, at least in our space, are male. And we're seeing all these all these female attorneys, these amazing, crazy, big settlements. Huge. Right? So it's really, really exciting. So I don't see it as a I mean, I get that the survey said that, and I know that there's truth to it, but in our space, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's also a uniqueness when you have nine males ranking on the first page and one female, you know, there's just one female that can be contacted then from that first page, right? Yes, I I completely agree with you, particularly in PI, where people have been injured. Uh, It's a terrible experience. There's a lot of bills. I do think that a female who has typically has more empathy can sometimes, you know, be preferable. So I I completely agree with you. Do you think then marketing a typical law firm that might be run by a male, but lots of female lawyers is different than marketing a female owned firm? Not for SEO purposes. I think it's going to be the same, not an identical strategy because every firm and every market's different, but it's going to be a very similar approach, especially in a market like PI, right? If we start talking about maybe family law mm-hmm. there, maybe there could be, you know, some different angles that we can approach, right? But for PI, no, but I do think we have to think about, you know, the hero image on the mm-hmm. website, right? Um, are we doing, I mean, I want to, I would want to lead with the female lawyers, right? I don't want a picture of like, the city or anything like that, which we don't recommend anyways, but 
and then really think about what the headline byline is going to be, which I think goes more into branding versus a SEO approach. Many of the women attorneys we have had on the podcast start their own firms because a rigid work structure leaves little room for family or personal time. For a female attorney thinking about striking out, this is what should be done first. For sure, a website. Because even if you're just working off referrals, you're going to need a website. So I would say both rankings and law rank offer websites. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Social versus a website. I mean, I think you need Mm -hmm. both. I mean, and social is very inexpensive to get up and running and to shoot videos on your own. I see a lot of female attorneys shooting a lot of great TikToks. I think that's something that is very inexpensive. You can do on your own. So I think that's a no-brainer if you're okay being in front of the camera and putting yourself out there and, you know, utilizing social media. But I think a website is also non-negotiable because if somebody Googles you and they can't find your website, that's problematic. And I think even more so recently with Google My Business, relying so much on the website, the content on the website to rank in the map pack and even more so important. So yes, I agree. We talked earlier about kind of like growth, um, liking to work with attorneys because of that like growth mindset. When you're established firm, what can they then do to sort of like enter growth mode or get to the next level? I hate to sound like a lawyer, but it just really depends on the firm and what that means to them. You know, if we're talking about a, an SEO campaign, then engaging an agency that has a proven track record that can, you know, show them a return on investment. I think, I mean, obviously you and I are going to be pro SEO because we see what it can do. And what's interesting about SEO is that it can either be the best investment you ever made or the worst. Because if you're on the second, third, fourth, fifth plus page of Google, there is no return. So it's, it's kind of a winner takes all type of scenario. And there are, it's not just one winner, but a couple, right? Yeah, absolutely. Second page doesn't do you any good. Uh, and the first page is increasingly more competitive, but I still subscribe to the idea that um, organic SEO at first three, four spots um, is the best ROI a firm can make. Uh, in their marketing. So I still think that's very true. When looking to hire a vendor like us, (laughs) uh, what are questions that should be asked? That's a great question. How much, I think a lot of lawyers come into this and they, they've been through so many SEO agencies and they've either ranked for a short period of time or haven't ranked. And, you know, they're very frustrated and I would be too. Uh, Absolutely. But they feel that at that point, they've spoken to so many agencies, they've learned a little bit from each agency that they get on the phone and they're like, oh, I know enough to be dangerous. And I'm like, hmm, no, you don't. If, if you did, you wouldn't have ended up here. You know enough to think you know enough to be dangerous. And that's even more dangerous, in my opinion, because they know what questions to ask. But any agency with a great sales team even without a great sales team, can just tell them what they want to hear. And it's really not about telling the lawyer what they want to hear. It's being ethical and honest and, hey, this is what it's going to take or what you're telling me your idea isn't going to work or we don't do it that way. This is why we don't do it that way. And oftentimes I feel like lawyers come loaded with these questions that I'm like, oh God, like, Someone's going to give you a run for your money in these questions and they're asking the wrong questions. 
what you should really be doing is making sure that the agency that you're speaking with can show you that they have results in markets similar to yours and for the practice area that you're in. Obviously, PI being the most competitive, you could argue mass towards, but mass towards is on a nationwide scale. So I'm talking about more of a what we would consider local. So I would say, instead of even what questions to ask, I would say educate yourselves. This is not any harder than at least knowing the basics of like how to track an agency, right? And how to compare it to the top ranked firms. So let's say you're in, I'll use San Diego as an example. Let's say you're in San Diego and you're like, okay, well, I'm not ranking. I've been with three agencies, none of them work. And then look at your metrics and look at your top ranked competitors. Learn how to look at referring domains, content, and traffic. Learn how to use SEMrush or SEMrush, whatever it's called, RFs. And yeah, maybe it'll take you a few hours, but it's actually really not complicated to learn how to track these metrics. And I'm not talking about anything like super technical and learning how to look at results, at other firms' results right? Versus asking questions to like trip up the agency. Well, I mean, they can say anything to you. Yes. Yes. I love this about attorneys and lawyers because they care so much about their business. So many agencies and so many people proclaim to be SEO experts and they'll run an audit and they'll highlight a few things and then put it in front of a a firm and I think you're right. Educating, just knowing the basics, just stress test the agency. Can they do this? Get a local Falcon account, like measure your own local SEO. And we teach this. Like I, I tell this to firms every time I jump on a, even an intro call. I'm like, look, this is what you need to do. Like we might not be the best mm-hmm. fit, but and that's okay. That I'm not saying we're the only ones that can do this, but this is what you should look at. And these are the tools that you should use because otherwise, I mean, and I get it. I put myself in lawyer shoes. I, I do this all the time. And I'm like, okay, what if I had to say, I'm going to hire someone And they're going to make sure that we get leads. What if I had to take lead generation out of my hands? And that's really, really scary. And what if I had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and it just hadn't worked or it worked for a month and then it stopped working? Like I would be pretty jaded, right? Yes. You have to work with people that know what they're doing and that have a plan and a strategy. It's a huge investment and it's a lot of time in addition to money. But if you can put both of those in, I think it's very much well worth it. So what project management tools do you guys use? (laughs) The systems person in me needs to know. (laughs) We use whatever's best for whatever task we're trying to accomplish. So we use Monday internally for project management. We have Trello for whoever wants Trello, um, just because it's more visual. We have Slack. And then we use Basecamp for a client files so they can upload things directly onto Basecamp. And then our content team uses Airtables. There's a reason why they switched from using Monday to they wanted Airtables. And then of course, oh, we use HubSpot for sales um, and project managing. Now we're moving some of the project management over to HubSpot. We use all sorts of things. Miro, have you ever used Miro? Yes. Oh my God, it is the best. I literally just got it last week for like flowchart, right? It's amazing. Like if you are going to do any process, you Start first want to put it in Miro. 
And I would even say for law firms, I mean, one of the things that I think law firms really lack is processes and trainings. Like all of our trainings, we put them in training. So it's literally like if you like we think back to AT&T when we would have it, they would roll out a new training. You'd go in, you'd watch the videos and you would do a test. That's what yeah. you do for everything. What was anything. it? Like setting up your calendar. Trainial. And I think law firms should use that. Literally, I have a training on how to use like how to set up your calendar. Like the things that it's like, I never want to train this again because it's so mundane and like easy. And then we have like really complex stuff in there too. Yeah, I completely agree as far as like law firms and operations. A lot of the attorneys I've talked to, and I'm sure this is the same for you, law school does not teach them how to be a lawyer. It's a ton of theory. (laughs) And then they just send them out into the world and are like, okay, go be a lawyer. And the same thing with running a firm, which is why like marketing, you get a really amazing lawyer and now they have to do marketing and accounting and HR. Is there any marketing advice that you would give particularly to women who sometimes feel like, you know, they can take it all on, that they can do it themselves? What advice do you have for them? Yeah, that's a great question. So when it comes to marketing, I would say, don't be afraid to let someone take over. And I think sometimes it's hard to delegate, but when it comes to marketing, really just finding an agency that you trust and knowing that you can compete with all the big male players and don't be afraid to spend money. I know that I'm like much more conservative than Mm. say my husband. He's much more like, let's do this, let's do that. And I'm like, "Uh, what does it cost? But I would say, don't be afraid to invest, invest in your firm, invest in marketing, invest in video and everything. I'm not even just talking about SEO, right? And don't feel like you can't compete with men because we have a lot of solo practitioners and they're men, but they're dominating the first stage of Google. We can do the same for women, even if you're a small firm. And if anybody ever feels really hesitant about this, even if you're considering working with another agency and you just want someone to talk to, I am happy to talk to anybody. It doesn't have to be about using LawRank. Just you want to run something by me. You're really hesitant. I've seen a really big increase in divorce lawyers, female divorce lawyers doing marketing. I personally love female clients. I think they are the best ever. And I love, love, love nothing more than to see them grow and expand, especially female attorneys that have started running their own firms, run an agency, be a lawyer, (laughs) and then trust people across the board, accounting, marketing, all those different types of things that not necessarily an expert on could probably figure it out because they're very capable people, right? But if you will invest and trust other experts the results are amazing and life is easier. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and actually Jen Gore talks about this and her and I have had conversations about this because she's like, you have to delegate. And I once told her that we had someone that cooks for us. And I was like, don't say anything to anyone. And she's like, no, you own that. Like you yes. need to delegate. It's totally okay. Nannies, housekeepers, like this, that. And it's the same thing. And, and I, I get it because I feel like as women, we are so used, especially as mothers, like this, I can talk about from like the experience of being a mom that you have so much mental load and you're like, I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to take the kid here and I have to do this and the doctor and the dentist and the clothes and this. And it's like, you're literally just like 
running like very, very quickly. And for the first five years of law rank, my involvement was minimal. And there was a time my daughter was one or I think she was 18 months that I, I said, okay, I'm ready to go back to working full time. I love my kids, but I don't want to do this anymore. And my husband had always kind of pressed me like, Hey, I want you to come, you know, this is half yours. Like you need to come, you know, he was always very supportive. Like if you really don't want to, okay, but you love to work. Like you need, and I was just very attached to the kids. So then I, I did it right. And like a week and a half later, he says to me, Hey Maria, we're out of toilet paper. And I said, that's great. Cool. And I just like stared at him and he was like, you're right. I'm so sorry. I will Amazon prime it right now. Good on him. Like, <laughs> there, there, there you go. And what's the, the point of all this is delegate on all ends. Like I don't grocery shop. I don't cook. I don't clean. I don't watch my kids a significantly large percent of the time. And I'm an assistant and I've really just learned to delegate. Right. And sometimes I struggle, but for the most part, I'm pretty good about it, especially now. I think there are areas that I'm more like, I feel more hesitant to delegate and the shame that comes with it. Right. And Jen and I talk about this. She's like, you have to own that. Like, there's nothing wrong with you having a chef, like nothing. That's great. Like you work so much and you travel and you have three little kids and, you know, or the fact like she has a trainer, I have a trainer. We talked about this too. She's like, don't have any shame in the fact that you have a trainer every day. Like that's good. Yes. Time is money. Particularly when you're a business owner, when you're not, you know, kind of working on the business, then that's a loss. And I think working in operations, you start like at work, delegate things, automate things, ordering groceries, Amazon Prime delivers toilet paper every month. I was like, my brain freed up. (laughs) And then I applied that like to my personal life. And I think like for moms, that choice, some moms love making lunch for their kids, you know? I don't. But then, (laughs) and like that choice, there should be zero shame in how you want to spend time with your own kids. You know, right? <laughs> what that? What does that look like? Is it going for a walk? Is it making lunch? Is it watching a movie? Whatever you want it to be, no shame outside of that. Yeah, and I, I think that's just like ingrained, right? And I, I learned from a very, very early on, you know, since be, becoming a mom, I learned that you're gonna feel guilt no matter what. If I'm with them full time, I feel guilt because I'm not working, and I feel feel guilty because like I'm not showing them, or especially my daughter, like you can work, you can have it all. But if I'm working, I feel guilty because I'm not their primary caretaker X percentage of the time, right? They're either in school and after school care or they're with a nanny. And, but I just learned I'm going to be guilty no matter what. So I might as well do what makes me happy and be able to say to them, especially my daughter, like do what makes you happy. If being a stay-at-home mom makes you happy, that's amazing. Like yes. great. Like I, I must've been a great mom if, if you're cool with that, but <laughs> if you're not, then go do whatever you're passionate about and whatever makes you happy. I don't tend to regret many things and I don't regret the time that I spent with them, but I do regret allowing myself to feel guilty. Right. And now I'm just like, nope, like, you know, we're going to Europe in a few weeks. We're taking our nanny. It is, it, it is. It, and I joke about it on Instagram all the time. Like best mother's day ever. Cause Nanny was with us. It's help. It's a, it's another set of hands and it really does make the difference. How you parent, 
is up to you, you know? And if removing some of the admin, like getting your child a drink of water, <laughs> right? Uh, like I said, frees you up <laughs> mentally and your time, then do it. <laughs> like, yeah, do it. No guilt. Yeah. But I, I liked what you said. I think for moms, you know, should you focus on trying to resolve that guilt and stop feeling guilty or just do what makes you happy regardless of whether or not you feel guilty? I mean, yeah, I would say both. I would say it's a combination. Okay. Like I definitely try to kind of walk myself through the reasons why I'm not going to like, okay, I feel guilty. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to let it go. That's a great book, by the way, letting go. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to let it go. But at the same time, I am acknowledging, okay, I'm feeling guilty. Why shouldn't I feel guilty? Well, because of A, B, C, and D. I'm reinforcing that decision that I've made and also being kind to myself because I am human and I am going to feel guilty because I don't think we can help it. I think it, it must be some sort of like scientific, like there must be like a reason as to why, like probably because we want to protect them. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why we feel guilty. I don't know, but I would say it's, it's a combination. Like, I mean, I'm going to feel what I'm going to feel. And I feel about that in general, like whatever feelings I'm having, I'm going to like, I'm going to allow those feelings and I'm going to process them and also try to let them go. Right. Because they're not going to, any negative feelings aren't going to serve me if I hold on tight. Yes. A feeling does not have to dictate an action. Just because you feel a certain way that does not need to drive a specific behavior or an action because you feel that way. So yeah, I think analyzing how you feel, recognizing why, asking before (laughs) uh, making a move or doing something is a very, very, very good skill to have. I think in general, I I think it's hard to be a mom and work. I personally think it's harder for me to not work and have that like full-time stay-at-home mom position. I think that's a much harder job in my opinion, just because I'm not wired that way. That's just not what I want to do, but it's very tough to balance it, to balance the work-life balance. And I know some people are like talking about integration now. And I mean, I have that to some extent because I work with my husband when the kids are involved and they're very little, I mean, I'm not going to teach them how to do SEO, right? A benefit of running your own agency and the flexible schedule that that can offer. I think that's part of the reason why you see a lot of female lawyers starting their own firms. They don't want to work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. at an office. <laughs> they want the flexibility to, you know, go pick their kids up, you know, go to the school play or... absolutely anything like that and still be an effective lawyer. There's no laziness in that. You know, there's no wanting to cut a corner or dodge a responsibility. They typically, I think, can just get more done in less time. So, I mean, it's all about, like we talked about time management. And I think that also plays into like how happy you are with your position or your business. If you have that flexibility to say, Hey, I'm going to go to my kid's school event today or my kid is sick. So I'm just going to keep them home and not have to send them to daycare or whatever. Like when I first started working, my daughter was still nursing. So every two hours I would go downstairs and I would nurse her and I'd go back upstairs. I worked at a, a very nice attic at the time. So there is that balance and that flexibility that I think is so appealing to women because the workforce isn't very 
kind to us. As much as we like to separate work and life, what happens in your life will show up in your business. Marie explains how daily habits impact her business. Even like the amount of sleep that I get, if I exercise, if I eat healthy, even those things impact me as a business owner. My focus, just my energy, everything. There are so many things that impact you as a lawyer. And I forget, I think it was Tom Bilyeu. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he had a podcast. He has a podcast, but he had an episode where he said something that really resonated. He said, I think every business owner should weight train at some point in time in their career to see that change is possible. Mm. And I was like, whoa, mind blown because it's so true. I can change my body. I can change my agency. I can change my law firm, right? Like we can evolve. And it's that like, you don't see it that one day that you go work out, right? But it's like the consistency of it. I love that about weight training. It also teaches you that you're often way more capable than you think you are. (laughs) I think you have to put yourself in hard situations and do things that you're uncomfortable with. And then when you get in those situations again, you can pull from that. Well, did it already, survived, thrived. We'll give it a go. I think fear is like actually pointing you in the right direction. And I love that I read that fear and excitement are like, literally it's the same chemical being released in your body. So you can actually just say, well, I'm really excited, right? I mean, assuming a lion's not chasing you, right? Like for me, public speaking was like a big one or even like doing podcasts or webinars back a few years ago, I was like petrified, but I didn't let fear stop me. And I was like, I'm just excited. It's exciting because it's something new. Do things even when you're intimidated by them. It's the only way to grow. Take stock of what makes you feel better emotionally, mentally, and physically, and take time each day to do that thing. Women have been conditioned to feel guilt no matter what. Learn to let go of the guilt and the heavy mental load. Delegate in your business and in your life whenever possible. Do not feel ashamed for needing, asking for, and receiving help. To do your best, you cannot do it all. A huge thank you to Maria for sharing her story and unbelievable insights with us today. You have been listening to Lawher with me, Sonia Palmer. If you found this content insightful, inspiring, or it just made you smile, please share this episode with a trailblazer in your life. For more about Maria Monroy, check out our show notes. And while you're there, please leave us a review or a five-star rating. It really goes a long way for others to discover the show. And I will see you next week on Lawher, where we'll shed light on how another the brightest and boldest women in the legal industry climbed to the top of their fields.